Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the O Show podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com. Be a champ today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O Show podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com. I am your host, Jack O'Hara, episode 40 as we ring in the new year. And after this episode, you will never... Will never... Will never... Ever... Be the same again... Welcome to the pilot episode of the O Show podcast. My name is Jack O'Hara. And I'm his brother, Declan O'Hara. And we'll be talking about anything from music to sports, pop culture, literally everything. Except politics. That, yeah, cut the music. We're yeah. not going to talk about politics on Politics this show. won't be brought up. We have views, but we also want viewers. and We'll lose way too many subscribers. It's not going to happen. No. God, that was awful. That was episode one of the O Show podcast back in May, episode 40. As we end out the new year, December 31st, 2018, we'll talk about our entire year, six-month period starting the podcast, the origin of the show, talk about some of the guests we've brought on. Uh, We'll talk about uh, baseball, football, basketball, the year that WWE had, the abysmal year that they had, some UFC. We'll get into some college football as well, as Declan has some hot takes regarding that. Not really, but he'll try his best. We'll also get into a little bit of music. It turns out Woodstock, New York is returning this August in 2019. What the fuck did you just say? That's right, Woodstock, New York returning August 16th through the 18th, I believe, or that's what Declan tells me. Uh, the likes of Bruce Springsteen, Eminem, uh, Green Day rumored. So it should be a great show. We'll get into that. This is episode 40 as we ring in the new year of the O Show podcast presented by FantasyJocks.com. It is December 31st, New Year's Eve. 2018 coming to a close. Last episode of 2018, even though I probably won't even post it till tomorrow. This is, a, this is the last episode of season one. Season one? Season of, one of the O Show podcast. Last episode. I just came up with that. Jack was like, oh, I've never, never thought of doing this. Interesting. Seasons. Interesting. Season two tomorrow. Season two. Premieres uh, tomorrow. Uh, a lot happened this year. A, a lot happened. Number one being we started a podcast. 
We did start a podcast in 2018. Doing a podcast has been in the talks for a while, though. I, I don't know. We, we uh, started talking about it. I mean, I always knew I wanted to do something in this field, whether it was a podcast or a blog. Yeah. Probably getting into both within the new year. Um, I don't know. We were kind of just on the couch. La- it was like around this time last year. Right after New Year's. Yeah, we, we, we really were, started thinking about it. We, we kind of were just talking shit on the couch with mom. and <laughs> Yeah, and I was for like... For like hours. And I was sick, like, yeah, because I was sick with the flu. I wasn't going anywhere. For all of my Christmas break last year, I was sick with the flu. But I remember, yeah, we were sitting on the couch and we were um, talking shit about uh, the politics and baseball in our town. Um, and we, I was just saying, like, there's no... Like, if we recorded this and posted it, there's no way someone wouldn't find it interesting and then we're like yeah we should do a podcast though, though we never did an episode on that I don't think we ever will I don't think we I think, should. It would, I, think <laughs> I, I think I don't think we should I think it would cause way too much backlash considering you still have two more years here left I mean yeah. I don't think it would affect me as much but you two more years left still in the administration yikes I don't know they would hear it and be like Jack thinks that way wow we never knew <laughs> They always knew. I never played by their rules. They were cocks. They still are cocks. They still are cocks. However, we did start the podcast. It was May 19th, I think. May 19th, 2018. Around then, yeah. Um, started the podcast. Had our own set just for that one day. Had that own set before uh, Mikey Badalino, who's been a guest on the show a few times to talk UFC. He came over and had a lightsaber battle with Declan here and smashed the TV. It wasn't a lightsaber battle. I didn't have a lightsaber. I, I was I was minding my own business. He goes into this drawer we have down in the basement that no one goes into because it's just full of our old junk. He finds an old lightsaber and starts hitting me with it. And next thing you know, he's swinging hard, thinking it's hilarious. Hits our 60-inch TV, and uh, now we no longer have that 60-inch TV because he hit it dead smack in the middle, cracked it, and that was it. And hopefully he comes over within the next week or so before I leave so yeah, we can he's do a podcast over, so we yeah. can address that horrible situation. 60-inch flat-screen TV. Just Down gone. the drain. He tries to throw it under the rug. I, he, whenever he's here, he makes sure he doesn't, he doesn't go in the room where it is now where the TV's just sitting because... He knows if he goes in there and I see him in there, I'm going to bring it up. And he doesn't want to pay $700 for a new TV. And I don't want to make him pay, but he's not but going if he, to But if he's willing to pay for it, I say you let him, uh, it was, it was, you let it was him an accident. It. it was an accident. He doesn't need to pay for it. He doesn't need to pay for it. That. He is a 17, was he 17-year-old kid? He's a 17-year-old kid. Playing with a lightsaber in our basement and breaks the TV? You have a solid... You find that acceptable? No, no, I don't find it acceptable, but it's Mike. It's Mike. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to make Mike pay. Mike's my brother. I don't want to make Mike pay. Okay, well, regardless of the TV situation, we had that set for our first ever podcast, the pilot episode. Oh, yeah, we had the TV set up. We had the computer... Which was also recording the audio of the mics. We had the computer set up to a huge TV cause, so we could, like, look stuff up. And when we were talking, we were just super, super excited. We were like, that would be so dope if we had that. So we did. But that was the only time we ever used it. It was a one and done. And we talked – I think we talked about WWE. I haven't, to this day, 
I mean, it's only been six months, but I have not yet gone back and listened to that. I don't want to listen to the pilot. I feel like it's, it's so bad. I feel like it's, it's so rotten. Bad. It's so bad. It's Do you know it's so bad though? I know. Oh, I know for a fact. I've listened to it. I've listened to it. It's so like, I don't know. You know what the problem was? We discussed everything we were going to talk about on the podcast beforehand and then went on to the podcast and had a completely fake conversation. Well, not only that, it was our first episode ever, and it was more of like, all right, let's do this, and then we hit play and record, and that red light was beeping, and we're like, uh, uh hello. We're like, yes, welcome. Like, it, it just sounded... Hi. <laughs> I don't know, it was bad. Like, holy shit, we're actually doing this. Um, and, and, you know, compared to other, like, really successful podcasts, like Joe Rogan... You know, there's obviously room for improvements with this podcast, but I mean, that's part of, you know, building a podcast. Right. And I'm sure about like two or three years from now, this podcast will seem like absolute garbage compared to hopefully what we have in a few years. Yeah, exactly. There's um, room. There's always room for improvement. So we were, of course, we were shit when we did the first episode because we had never done a podcast before. So we didn't uh, really know how it worked. So times are changing. We had, like, episodes one and two here, and then I took it to Los Angeles, California over the summer. Yeah. Had a few players from the Southern California catch-on. I think I had uh, Wacy Crenshaw, plays at Colorado Mesa University. Um, Ryan Smoot, Virginia Military Institute, out in Lexington. Uh, Daniel Jung, who goes to Notre Dame. I actually had him on in the fall. Um... Cade Haydinger, on our way back from Mexico, had him on. It was like an hour and 40-minute show with uh, Davis Ford and I. Yeah. And basically, we just shot the bull for like an hour and 40 minutes. It was a four-hour drive from Tijuana back to first San Diego and then back to L.A. And basically, Tade forgot his passport. She just talked about that. So basically, it was... We thought it was going to be a huge deal because he didn't have a passport, and he went into Mexico thinking, well, maybe they'll just let me in because I look white, you know? <laughs> and we get up there, and they're like, yeah, whatever. The majority of you have uh, passports, and they just let us through. Really? So you had nothing to worry about? No. It was stupid, though. Like That's not good, though. That, that's not good border patrol at all. That's not good all. border patrol at all. You need to check passports. That's so dumb. I mean, could you imagine if they kept him there, though? Yeah, that'd be bad. You know how pissed off he would have been? You know, how, like, how many people would be in such bad moods? Yeah, because he got left behind. Well, he, coaches, he probably wouldn't be left behind, but we'd all have to stay there so that uh, our did GM... Did the coaches go to that trip? Yeah, and, and the co- all the coaches would have to stay behind and, like, try and convince them and walk oh, yeah. away and negotiate. Oh, yeah, they'd be so mad. Everybody would be imagine, in the buses. Imagine it was the Cubs and, like, <laughs> needed passports and I forgot my... I'd freak out. Uh, I didn't have one. Mike and Pete, they'd freak out on me. Um, so I took it to California for, for a few. We only had four or five episodes. Came back here, did a few before I left for Arizona, and then we started bringing in some guests. I had Tim Redding, former Mets pitcher, had him on the weekend. David Wright retired during his final game. We talked about David Wright. He played for him for one season in 2009. Jesse Cole, the owner of the Savannah Bananas. Savannah Bananas. Author of Find Your Yellow Tux. He just wears a big yellow tux, big hat. Yeah, he reminds Great me of, entrepreneur. He reminds me of the dude from uh, Curious George. 
You know, the man in the yellow jumpsuit or whatever. I mean, the his, whole, his whole um, thing is to stand out, obviously. Yeah. Stands out doing that. He's more uh, involved with the entertainment side of the game as opposed to the actual sport, yeah. which is interesting, but he's doing a great job. Like, a really good job. Oh, like yeah, yeah. Millions in merchandise. Well, the entertainment sales. side of professional sports is a huge part of the industry, so... Um, good for him. Then we had... Of course, Jared Carabas from Barstool Sports. Hopefully, we'll have him on within the next few weeks or so with the Royal Rumble coming up. Yeah. Uh, had a brief interview with Matt Hardy. That we kind of stuck in there. And this is all in one year. All over, like, what, six months? Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Not bad considering what our pilot episode was. Very true statement. I'm trying to think who else. Um... Hopefully within the next few weeks we have uh, WWE Hall of Famer Jeff Jarrett, Jack Slade coming on right after Wrestle Kingdom in Japan. Should be the first or second week in January. Chris Slade, drummer from ACDC. Um, hopefully 2018 is the year of Osho versus Jericho. Yeah, which is I, kind of the reason we started the podcast to begin with. Why, really? You think so? I don't... I think there was a he lot kind of, of reasons. I think he inspired the reason to have a podcast. He was always the number one guest we'd want to have on. Yeah, that's true. But we always had such intellectual conversations about wrestling that we we wanted to share it. Well, I don't think it was all about Jericho. At least not in my eyes. Well, what I meant to say was, I guess, he's definitely the number one guest we want to have on. And we definitely, def- have, and we yeah. definitely have the most questions for him. Like, I've had some guests on the show who just like didn't have anything really to say. Like I'd ask them the question and they wouldn't go into depth at all. And the interview would end up being like 20 minutes long. Yeah. So, all right, thanks for coming on. Goodbye. But, you know, at the end of the day, we've had some really good podcasts. Jared Carabas went on for about an hour, like went into depth on all of his uh, questions that I asked him. Great guests. Great um, baseball writer. Big WWE fan as well. Um, Which is rare nowadays. Honestly, with it just spiraling out of control. It's still not. I mean, I know we have to give it time, but, you know, still nothing great's happening. You would think they would try to do something really cool right out of the gate, but they didn't. They're definitely easing into it. Um, who else did we have on? I feel like we had at least a few other guests. I know I had Jason Bell, AAA manager of the Houston Astros. That's pretty cool. Or, excuse me, like single A. Uh, Tri-City Valley Cats. Um, regardless, good year. We pulled in about 40 episodes for the first year. Easily could get to 100 by next year. Easily. Oh yeah, that'll. Happen. Given that we missed the first half of the of the year, mm-hmm. so an all in all, a good uh, first year for the Osho podcast. Yeah, most definitely. Not bad. A lot of other stuff happened in the sports world this year. Boston Red Sox won the twenty eighteen World Series. Yankees going. The Yankees went into the year. At least their fans went into the year expecting to win the twenty eighteen World Series, acquiring Giancarlo Stanton. You had Judge Stanton Sanchez. In that heart of the order, that's probably at least they went in to that year with the most 
deadliest lineup, at least in the American League. Yeah. Um, nobody really focused on the pitching, though. Once we got Stanton, it was all about, like, holy crap, we're going to put up the oh, yeah, most home all, runs. Yeah, it was all the about bo- our offense. That was, that was the driving 60 for Judge, 60 for Stanton. Just give us the AL East now. And then the Red Sox came out of the gate 17-2 and in the first 19 games. Yeah. Yankees took control of the division for a short while there. They went on that 17-1 and run in May where they were just unstoppable. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. And they were already comparing uh, this team to the 1998 Yankees that won 114 games. Yeah. Well, we came close, so. Which was ridiculous because it was May. We They did win 100 games, 162 in Aaron Boone's first year. But in the end, the Red Sox just annihilated everybody in their path. Yeah. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Them beating the Astros three straight games at Minute Maid Park was probably the most impressive performance oh, of that so entire, impressive. in that entire postseason. Well, because going into the 2018 season, the Astros showed everybody how, how well-rounded they are as a team, how well they play together. And how strong they are together, but then when the, when the Sox beat them in the playoffs, uh, I think they took over that role and showed that there could be an even stronger team in the MLB. I mean, they went. The Astros swept the Indians, so they looked like, oh, here we go again. Like they could actually repeat this year. Like you usually know, regardless if it's a good team or not. Like the Cubs, you knew were going to come back strong the next year. Yeah, but they ended up. Uh, having a slow first half, picked it up in the second half, went back to the NLCS, but at no point did I think they were going to repeat as champs. No, no. You I feel need... like every year somebody has a a dominant year. Uh, hangover year the year after they win the uh, World the Series. After, yeah. uh, and then the Astros came out, they won game one of the ALCS in Boston against Chris Sale. So you're starting to think, oh, they might actually pull it off, and then the Red Sox won four straight. So... Regardless of how good they were, and if they didn't have a hangover, so be it. But I feel like it's way too difficult to repeat, especially in this era when MLB is basically becoming the new NBA with all these super teams that yeah. they're forming. Yeah, but at least you know you're seeing a variety of super teams. It's not. It's not like a, it's not going to turn into. I mean, the a NBA has a variety situation. of super. I mean, it's uh, a variety of really dominant teams. It's basically whoever has LeBron James, the Warriors, Celtics, Philly, and Houston. Yeah. However, nobody's good as Golden State, whereas MLB at least you have you, at least you know someone else is going to win every year. Yeah. You got the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Astros, and the Dodgers, I think as the main four. The Cubs will probably make a big splash. Maybe they go out and get Bryce Harper to team up with Chris Bryant again. <sighs> Went to high school together. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, Manny Machado, it's looking like he's already agreed to come to the Yankees. Just got to sign his name on the dotted line. Have they figured that out yet? Have they negotiated So Dan Clark, writer with the uh, Baseball Association of America, was the only one to report that he's already made up his mind. He's coming to the Yankees. He heard from one of Machado's former teammates slash friends, and he's... Basically, all he has to do is sign the contract. There's rumors going around that it's for seven years. Don't know how much money he's going to get. The Yankees were very hesitant to go over $300 million for him. So seven years, I could see it being in the 
225, 250 range yeah. with like an opt-out after the third or fourth year. So who knows? Manny Machado in the middle of that lineup, though, hopefully will put up even more numbers than they did last year. They'll still have Andahar at third. They'll have Glaber at second. Didi comes back mid-year. Giancarlo Stanton's agent, I believe, said that you're going to see a whole new Giancarlo Stanton next year, which I yeah, still I think people that. give him like way too much crap for having a bad postseason. Still led the Yankees in home runs and RBIs. Was top five in batting average. He still had a great season. Nothing yeah. compared to his MVP season the year before with the Marlins, but it was still a good season. And he kind of just choked in the playoffs. Obviously, like it was, it was very easy to tell what was coming his way. It was fastball inside, or no, no, no. It was slider away, slider away, fastball inside, because he still, for some reason, has that worriness where he got hit a few years ago in the face by yeah. Mike Fears. So he still backs off the plate a little bit, and then they go back with that slider outside to get him to chase. Mm-hmm. It was almost like predetermined every time he came up to the plate in that series against Boston. But if he is back this year and he does put up, let's say, 45, 50 home runs, on top of a full year with Judge, because remember Judge was out for a few yeah. weeks there with that wrist injury. More than a few weeks. Yeah, like two months, months or so. Yeah. Um, just think you got Hicks, Judge, Machado, Stanton, Sanchez, Andujar, Voigt, Glaber Torres, and then presumably Brett Gardner in left field, unless Brian Cashman pulls the ultimate baby face turn and goes out and signs Bryce Harper. Which considering if Manny Machado signs for something less than two hundred and fifty million. Mm-hmm. Because then we could probably afford him. And I think um Gardner could re- could uh, afford a retirement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still kind of baffled by the Yankees going out and getting Brett Gardner again. That was the first move they made, like week after the season ended. Sign Brett Gardner one year, eight million. Bring him back for one more year. I, I just don't understand it. I th- I, I, I just thought season. they would have a lot more on their agenda before, you know, looking at Gardner again. I thought that that was a deal that they could take time. I mean, on, Brett you know? Gardner is one of those guys you kind of don't want to see him end up in any other uniform. Yeah, like, he's, he's not one of those Monument Park retired number type guys, but he was always a scrappy, good Yankee player who's been with the team for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Drafted, went through the system, got brought up, and he's been, like, a key factor of the team for the past decade. But at the same time, like, to bring him back, that just handcuffs them in the chase for a Bryce Harper. Because yeah. Cashman said at the winter meetings in Vegas a few weeks ago, they're not looking at Harper because they already have six outfielders. I don't know about you, but to me... Jacoby Ellsbury does not count. No, I, oh, Clint good. Frazier I don't think counts. Not I think anymore. he gets hurt way too much. He's very he talented, but he gets hurt way too much. Yeah. Gardner. And they could probably trade Frazier for a solid player. Right, and Gardner at this point is no more than a fourth outfielder regardless. Yeah. When you have Stanton, Judge, and Hicks. I mean, Stanton was the DH last year, but if you go out and get a Harper, he's obviously the DH. You put a Harper in left, Hicks in center judge in right Stanton DH's Gardner is your fourth outfielder presumably Stanton will get mixed in every now and then yeah but Ellsbury and Frazier to me just they don't count you've been trying to get rid of Ellsbury for years now 
There was even talk of bringing back Robinson Cano before he got, went to the Mets. Yeah, and which I was really excited about. I was disappointed. To dump Ellsbury's salary for Cano's salary, which is almost the same. However, Cano still provides value. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas Ellsbury does not El- at all. No, that's not true. I don't even he, like the He provides thing. pop-ups to left field and third base, and that's about it. Like I was saying, he does not provide <laughs> anything. And he's from Oregon, so Seattle, Washington, right next to Oregon there would have been a lot closer to home, a lot closer to his family. So I feel like he would have uh, exp- expect or he would have accepted that trade because he does have a no trade clause like Stanton. Yeah. But to me, Bryce Harper at Yankee Stadium, that left-handed swing with the short porch and right, obviously, is a massive fit. Just think about this potential lineup if they go out and get both. Regardless of what anybody might think, because mm-hmm. nobody thinks they're going to get both. When, but when it does happen, they're all going to be like, "I knew it was going to happen." It could be Hicks, Judge, Harper, Stanton, Machado, Sanchez, Andahar, Voit, Torres. That's a solid, like super solid. That's lineup. the super team lineup, like super team to the point where you're nine hitters hitting twenty five home runs and hitting three hundred. Yeah. Voight, if he, I mean, I'm not expecting if, him to do what he did in September last year, but if he has a full season of that, that's an easy 30 home runs or so. Possibly 40. I mean, he is a really, really solid hitter, Andahar, especially when he gets into Andahar his... is a three-hitter on any other team oh, yeah. once he reaches his prime. 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, seven-hitter. Gary Sanchez, God, I hope he comes back this year. Uh, yeah. 182 with... It was like 16 home runs is not going to cut it for a guy who hit 300 the year before with over 35 home runs. Mm -hmm. So if he comes back to the all-star level that he's capable of being, that team is deadly. Machado puts up 30-100, Stanton at least 30-100. You know what you're getting from Judge. Harper, with again, with the short porch and right, will put up a lot of home runs. Hicks has always been solid. He's a, definitely a solid leadoff hitter. So hopefully next year's different, considering Jay Happ is now your fourth starter, CC, the fifth starter. They brought in James Paxton, who's never reached over 150 innings in, I don't know, six seasons in the big leagues with the Mariners. So that's something to worry about. Yeah. However, he's dominant when he's healthy. So hopefully he can stay healthy. Luis Severino has to be consistent. Best pitcher in the American League. In the first half last year, second half was just abysmal. It was awful to watch. Pitched decently in the wild card game, but at any point in that game, I felt like it was all going to blow up in his face. He got into a few jams, got out of it, went four innings, I believe. No runs, um, but in that game three against the Red Sox, just totally blew up. I believe he gave up eight earned runs in three innings. He, he just has to be better. He has to be the ace of the staff. Like, to me this year, I feel like just going into the year, um, it's kind of a weak rotation. It's not a bad rotation. It's a lot better than most rotations in the league. But I feel like come the trade deadline, if Andahar's holding up like he did last year, has a great season, and someone's on the market like a Corey Kluber or a Trevor Bauer or a Madison Bumgarner, you go out and make that trade. Mm-hmm. No, like no questions asked, because with Didi coming back, you could just move Manny Machado over to third. 
you still have Machado, Gregorius, Torres, and Voigt as your infield. Was moving Machado to third going to cause conflicts? No, he knows what he's getting himself into. He should. There, there's no way he signs for over $225, $250 million for seven years, not knowing that he could potentially move over to a different position. I think he knows that. I think he's willing to move over to, the, to third. But to, you know he for wants to play short. Right. He wants to play shortstop, but I think for the Yankees with their team and their build, I don't think he'll have a problem moving over to third base considering how good Didi Gregorius is at shortstop. Mm-hmm. So... I'm hoping the Red Sox have a hangover this year. The Yankees take the division, another 100-win team. This was the year that they were waiting for. I remember in 2015, 2016, this was the offseason that they were waiting for so Mm -hmm. they can go out and get a Machado and a Harper. Yeah. It always looked like they were going to go out and get Harper. It doesn't look like that anymore, but Machado looks like he's on his way to the Bronx. Seven years, I don't know how much money, reported by Dan Clark a few nights ago. We'll see. So that was the Yankees season this year. WWE took a massive hit this year. It's, it's brutal to even discuss. It's brutal to watch, brutal to talk it about. It started the Royal Rumble. Shinsuke Nakamura won the Royal Rumble match. Wasn't really that interesting. WrestleMania was not interesting at all because they added all these network special shows mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia and Australia. So kind of like took the per, like the the the, the, match the prestige out of, out of WrestleMania. You brought Shawn Michaels back for a one-time match where he got paid three million. Let me let let me talk about the uh, Shawn Michaels return. Shawn Michaels after that match, and it, it was not a good match. No, I've said no, no, it before. No, 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 no. It's probably the worst match of the year. Like that, and that's. Triple H botching, Undertaker bait, botching, Shawn Michaels, Kane. Kane's mask fell off at one point. Uh, it was brutal. It was hard. It was, it was just painfully awkward because then they moved the cameras away so you couldn't see him putting his mask back on if it never came off to begin with. Like, why not just finish the match with your mask off? Like, yeah, what does it matter? So Shawn Michaels comes back after that match. He's laying in the corner there with Triple H, and he had a look on his face. It wasn't like a oh, relief that he got through the match. It wasn't... Man, I'm so proud of what we accomplished here with his buddy Triple H. It was more of, wow, I just scammed all of these idiots of $5 million. He made between 3 and $5 million on that show, the most he's probably ever made in a match in his life. Oh, yeah. And he turned to Triple H, if you look at him in the corner, and he looks at him and he goes, we're too old for this. That's what he said. We're too old for this. Indeed, you are too old. No shit, Sherlock. I mean, he looked at it like you could tell on his face. It wasn't a look of, man, so proud of us. It was, man, these idiots. These people paid good money to see me do what the fuck. I just robbed all of these people. (laughs) So much money. Um... No, but besides that, besides the end of the year, which obviously got to a point where they actually had to come out and apologize for their poor performance, um, beginning of the year, um, Lesnar was champion all year, so that sucked. There was no universal champion. AJ Styles was champion the entire year, which I don't think it hurt the brand, but at the same time, it's kind of the same old, same old, the whole Shinsuke Nakamura rivalry, just low blow after low blow. Mm-hmm. Just like why, at at that point, like it was just the year of the low blows. 
Yeah. You see it with Ambrose and Rollins. Saw it with Styles, Nakamura, Orton and Hardy. <laughs> I mean, that Styles Nakamura rivalry went on for like four it went months. On forever, it was, and it went nowhere too. Like, like that was that was a rivalry. dream match. Ruined. Dream match that they had in New Japan, and it was awesome. It was like a four or five star match. Bring it to WWE, it's mediocre. Like, I don't know why they didn't put on a great match at WrestleMania. They just did. It was just a mediocre match, and then after Nakamura turned heel with a low blow, which made no sense. Yeah. Just to further on the rivalry, I guess. They had a match at Backlash and the Money in the Bank. Both sucked. Then, oh, yeah. he, then he had his rivalry. The Samoa Joe rivalry was good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good because the way... Samoa Joe Incorporated Styles Family. That was pretty cool. The matches itself were good until it got to the point where it was kind of like Nakamura. They had like three or four matches. I think they had three matches. They had SummerSlam, Hell in a Cell, and then the Super Showdown in Australia. Mm -hmm. But then for uh, Crown Jewel, it was supposed to be Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. And Daniel Bryan and John Cena both ended up backing out of the show due to all the controversy with the reporter being killed in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, which we have to go back and see. In that show in Saudi Arabia at the beginning, they introduced, like, their leader, their dictator, and they, he kind of just got, like... Like, that whole place apparently was rocking from start to finish. You know, like, oh, yeah. WWE, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was like, oh, please welcome the great and legendary whatever his name was. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to pull it up. But he was just sitting there, like, not making any, um... Like, emotion. Any emotion at all. Everybody's just kind of like, yeah. It was just an awkward thing where, like, he's like, all right, make sure to honor me at this yeah. show, right? Yeah, make sure all my people are clapping for me. And they didn't, which was hilarious. You're gonna have to pull that up at some point. But if, um... God, so... Styles, like I was saying, uh, Daniel Bryan pulled out, so they had to do Styles Joe one more time, just mm -hmm. just to put in a match, you know. And Styles beat him. It was like a nice routine match. Styles with the phenomenal forearm. The Styles clash one, two, three, and that was it. So it started becoming a little bit stale until uh, it was going to be Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles at Survivor Series again, and. Although it's a decent match, like, people will pay to see it. It happened last year. Mm -hmm. It just shows that the two champions are still the champions. One might say that that's good for the brand because it shows legitimacy. Yeah. Two champions are champions that long. They deserve to be the champions. Others might say it's just stale because they don't trust anybody else. I mean, they gave it to Roman Reigns at SummerSlam, beat Brock Lesnar in the middle of the ring, which I'm still kind of pissed about because Braun Strowman should have cashed in Money in the Bank. Oh, yeah. He came out He came out right before the bell rang between Lesnar and Reigns at SummerSlam. I thought he was just going to cash in to make it a triple threat. That's what I thought in the beginning because he came out before they even started wrestling. And that would have been amazing. And then have Strowman win. And we were there. I'm like, here we go. And Strowman's like, all right, I'm just going to wait right here. For the winner of the match, and then I'm cashing in, and then Lesnar like, beat the crap out. What an amazing moment we would have saw. <sighs> and then Reigns spears Lesnar one two three. Reigns celebrates to end the show as Strowman's on the canvas. Yeah, just passed out. 
And then the next night, he tried to cash in against Reigns again, and then the Shield reunited. Which, that I would have been fine with. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds a lot cooler than just Lesnar beating him with the briefcase and then chucking it all the way to the top of the stage. Um, but yeah, so it was AJ Styles and Paul Heyman, I believe, had a segment on the SmackDown right before Survivor Series, and he mentioned how Daniel Bryan was the best technical wrestler. Heyman said that. And then Styles said, yeah, he is, but at the same time, I also beat him. So then Daniel Bryan came out. He's like, I've been looking for a reason to punch you in the face. So if you say my name again, I'm going to punch you in the face. And then he said his name again, and he punched him in the face. And then they had a match for the title later that night. Shane McMahon made it, and then Daniel Bryan, unexpectedly... Just won. No, I mean, a portion of you thought he was going to win because it would have been like you're putting that WWE title match literally five days before Survivor Series before you're going to see... Uh, Styles Lesnar rematch. So you're thinking, oh, they're probably just gonna make a fresh match, Daniel Bryan versus Lesnar. We've never seen it before. We've always wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. What I wasn't expecting though was Daniel Bryan to distract the referee and then hit AJ Styles with a low blow. That, I, I, I did not expect the yes movement guy, the guy who came back after three years of being told no, you can't wrestle anymore, to fight for his dreams, come back and then turn heel. I mean, I understand his character was kind of getting stale. It wasn't the same Daniel Bryan from four years earlier. He wasn't the top baby face in the company. Yeah. I understand that. But at the same time, you didn't have to turn Daniel Bryan heel to have a good, good storyline between AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. Two great technicians in the ring. It didn't make sense. Although it did help him in that match against Lesnar because without that low blow... Lesnar just squashes that match. Yeah. Lesnar, I think Lesnar could just retire from the WWE at this point because who is he going to face now that the fans are really going to be intrigued about? Let's think. He's faced Styles. He's faced Daniel Bryan. He's faced Reigns. He's faced Joe. He's faced Strowman. Yeah. He's faced Cena. Drew McIntyre, maybe? But would that really be a solid match, and would the crowd really be behind that match? I really it's don't something think... fresh. It's something fresh, but just because it's fresh doesn't mean it's good. I mean, I think they're going that route. I think Drew McIntyre is probably going to win the Royal Rumble match, unless probably. The Rock comes out of nowhere and wins it. And then you get Rock versus Brock, part-timer versus part-timer, yeah. which nobody wants to see, by the way. All right? <laughs> Go on record saying that. Nobody wants to see that. So, you ended up getting Brian versus Lesnar. Brian hit some of the low blow to the point where we thought Brian was going to beat Lesnar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, holy crap, He's actually, they're actually going to book him to win. It was actually a good back-and-forth match. Probably the best match Lesnar's put on in a few years. Maybe in a year or so. He actually put in effort this time as opposed to suplex, F5, repeat, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, that took you to... TLC, just a horrible, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but the matches you expected to be great weren't great. Because it was a good card. It was a great card. You had, oh, well, let's get to that before we talk about Rollins uh, Ambrose at TLC. The Shield breaking up after Roman Reigns announced that he had leukemia. So, 
Awful night for WWE there. Emotional night. So they take that opportunity to have Rollins and Ambrose win the tag team titles for McIntyre and Ziggler in the main event. Yeah. Which made it all the more shocking when Dean Ambrose turned around and hit dirty deeds on Seth Rollins to turn heel. Yeah. Like, you, you, you just won the tag team titles. It was confusing. And then he turns heel. That, and that was a successful Raw. That probably had one of the high, highest ratings of the year. I mean, when you look back at it, like, wow, that doing, like, writing that as creative shocked everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, if they didn't win, and then Rollins is just like, all right, Dean, let's get up. Let's, uh, let's take that one on the chin. And then he hits him with dirty deeds. Okay, that makes sense. But to have them win the titles, and then he turns on them, it's kind of like, okay, so what are they going to do with the Raw Tag Team titles? What was the point of taking them off Ziggler and McIntyre, who actually had a spot at that point as Tag Team Champions? Mm -hmm. The only thing is, they kind of spoiled the um, Ambrose-Rollins rivalry. It's not as strong as it used to be. Well, it was looking like it was going to be strong. They... We're booking it perfectly there for a while. Ambrose didn't really explain why he attacked Rollins for a few weeks. And then by the time they got to TLC, it was just a slow, methodical match. Mm-hmm. It was not like it was back in the day when they had rivalries in 2014 after Rollins turned on Ambrose and Reigns. No, it was, or in the majority of the beginning of that match. Yeah, the majority of that match in the beginning was just Ambrose going after Rollins' knee. Which was... Kind of irrelevant. They're high flyers. They... Jump through the ropes. They jump off the top rope into the table. There was none of that. It was just a slow, methodical match in which Rollins got distracted because Ambrose put the fist out like the shield, uh, the shield motion or whatever. Yeah. Stuck his hand out, and then Rollins tried to hit him with a curb stomp. Dirty Deeds match is over. So hopefully they uh, take that in another direction as we head towards the Royal Rumble. Baron Corbin was the acting GM for about three or four months there. Kurt Angle was taken off TV there for a while. That's when it really started to spiral out of control. Oh, yeah. It, it was just before, going Before the Corbin era, during the Kurt Angle era, I don't think it was as big of an issue. But I think around, like, from September to December, it was just terrible. Oh, yeah. Just not good television at all. To the point where Vince McMahon, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, and Shane McMahon all had to come out and publicly say, we haven't been doing a good job for you guys lately. I don't think they've ever done that in 25 years on Monday Night Raw. No, not at all. That's never happened. They've never... That was the first time the McMahons have ever been on TV out of character. Where they literally said, sorry, the content's so terrible. Whoops. We're going to try and clean it up. But at the same time, if it doesn't get better, that was just a work. Yeah. That could be Vince McMahon just saying he's going to do that, and then the crowd... The, by the way, the crowd that night, I, I think they were in, like, Kansas City or something, just ate that up. They're okay. like, finally, like, you can't guarantee that. Mm-hmm. You're going to give us what we want, and then you put Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin as the first match, a match we've already seen before. It's so frustrating. Like, why is it so hard for them to do something decent? Oh, so easy. Well, you would think things are going to get a lot better and you're going to start seeing a lot more fresh matches when guys like Adam Cole and Ricochet come up. It'll be a fresh start. Fresh rosters, I think, are due. 
But at the same time, if you give the fans and us exactly what we ask for, it's not surprising. It doesn't catch us off guard. Yeah. So they have to figure out a way to give the fans what they want, fresh matchups, fresh faces, but at the same time, cut angles that we wouldn't think of. Mm-hmm. So that it's interesting and that it's exciting again. Yeah. Because if they get just give us what we want and we expect it, it's not going to be entertaining. It might be entertaining the matches, but the storylines won't be entertaining. Very true. So the Royal Rumble coming up, it's looking like AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. So matches we've already seen before as we head into the new year. Oh, yeah. And though there was a... A lot of ups and a lot of downs of 2018. There's a lot to look forward to in 2019. It was uh, just announced August 16th through the 18th this year, Woodstock, 50th anniversary. Uh, Bands rumored to be there, the Foo Fighters, Pearl Jam, Eminem. Bruce Springsteen said he wants to do it. Um, I got to pull up a list. There's a a lot of cool bands. And where would that be? Woodstock, New York. Has it always been in New York? Yeah, that's where Woodstock is. And then Coachella's in L.A. or California. Yeah, so here, here we go. Uh, artists rumored to have been approached include Daft Punk, Bruce Springsteen, Eminem, Ariana Grande, Cold, Coldplay, Fish, The Weeknd, Elton John, Bon Jovi, Pearl Jam, Foo Fighters, Pink, The Who, Santana, Zac Brown Band, Mumford & Sons, and The Chainsmokers, and more to be announced. So, first of all, you're going to have to get a job. Yeah, if I want to go to that. I'm just going to have to save up money, but yeah, you're going to have to get a job because that's going to be like $500, For, probably even more. Well, if I go, I'm going all three nights, staying in a tent. You have to. That's how festivals work. Because you're not You have to buy time. tickets to three shows, though. No, no, you need to buy, like, festival tickets. So, yeah, festival tickets. So Springsteen, Eminem, Daft Punk, Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. Pearl and more Jam. bands will announce. I bet the Chili Peppers will want to do Greta it. Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van Fleet will definitely be on there. Uh, Dave Matthews, Dead and Company. They'll all want to be there. Uh, uh, probably all the huge rappers, Travis Scott. Hopefully Green Day comes Post out Malone. from wherever the hell they are right now. Well, what I heard about Green Day is they've been rehearsing Dookie, like their first three albums, just as a trio to go on a tour. Just the three of them. That's interesting. Which would be amazing to see at yeah, Woodstock. That, that's interesting. And they would just do songs from Dookie, Insomniac, and... Um, imagine they pull out GNR for that in ACDC? Yeah. ACDC's done, I think. I heard Brian Johnson. I, I heard... Well, Brian Johnson, sure, but Malcolm Young, after Malcolm Young passed away this year, I don't know. I heard, though, that they're making a new studio album uh, alongside Guns N' Roses, too. I heard Guns N' Guns N' Roses was in the studio. Yeah, I did. Because they that. just got off their uh, reunion tour, They're believe like a two-year world tour. And then Slash is now on tour with Miles, Miles Kennedy. Yeah. Great new album, by the way. Living the Dream, Driving Green, uh, Call the Wild, Serve You Right. Great songs. Well, serve You Right. Great, song. great tune. Um, I guess they sing a lot of Guns N' Roses at their concerts. Slash and Miles Kennedy. They're overseas yeah. right now. Miles Kennedy, in my opinion, I don't know what your opinion would be, he has to be one of the top five best voices in rock and roll. No, he absolutely is. He has I feel like he the best range right now. I feel like he doesn't get passing. enough credit where yeah. credit's due. I don't think a lot of rock artists get a lot of credit in the music industry anymore. 
Oh, especially in our generation. You know, but who are other bands that would want to play Woodstock, Royal Blood? Um, what's that band that sings My Name is Human? Highly Suspect. Highly Suspect. It's another band that should be around. Dorothy. I mean, is it going to be a mix of rock and uh, pop and rap? Hooting the Blowfish is going to be in the area Weezer. that weekend. Weezer would be awesome. Yeah, Hootie's in the area, so why not? Um, who else we got? You said Dave Matthews. Got Slash. No more Chris Cornell. John Mayer. Possibly. Billy Joel. Elton John. You'll probably get one or the other. You're either getting a solo John Mayer concert or a Dead & Company show. Only if Wyland was still here, man. Oh, STP could do the show. Allison Chains could do the show. But, you know, how many people can be on the card, you know? That's a big line. Fozzie. Will Fozzie <laughs> get the call? Apparently Jericho was at the Vikings game with his wife. He was. The other day, and they played Burn Me Out by Fozzie during a review play, during a challenge. <laughs> and he was, like, freaking out. I bet he was. He's probably dancing. That's my song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that that that'll be interesting though. Woodstock. Fiftieth anniversary. Two thousand. I tried to go to Coachella last year in California. However, the card was not great. It the was Post it. Malone. It was uh, Wiz Khalifa. Cuevo Huncho with Migos. So and that some was it. Pe- yeah, that's an opinion that it's not great. To some people, that's a really Some people, that's lineup. legendary. That's to me, lineup. that is not a stacked lineup. Yeah. I still can't comprehend why people enjoy listening to that. It just makes me cringe sometimes. <laughs> I used to have buddies in the car when we drive to like baseball practice or to parties or whatever, and they'd be playing that in the car with their dads and like you you hear the worst things coming out of these guys mouths that's just some of the worst sound effects in these songs that's just the culture man it's the rap culture hip-hop culture you know what was a really bad show like a really really bad show russell dickerson well (laughs) yes (laughs) i mean the fact that darius rucker Opened up for, um... Well, the reason... The way that tour worked for Lady Antebellum, that's what he was going to say. Yeah, I couldn't even think of them. That's how irrelevant they were. It was a co-headline tour, so some nights Darius played last, and Lady Antebellum opened for him, and sometimes it was the other way around. The show we went to, it just so happened, Darius uh, was the opening act, and it was bullshit, and he only played, like, ten songs, and we left early. Lady... I guess Holmdale, New Jersey, really isn't that big of a market to have him headline it. No, but it Lady is. Ant- because everybody left. Venue. Lady Antebellum probably had like 300 people no, at the PNC Arts Center. No, well, there's what, like 6,000 people there? Uh, well, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, not that many people left. There was no traffic when we left. There, was not many. there were a lot of people that left. There yeah. were probably people that stayed to see if Darius was going to come on and sing with them. She probably did. Maybe a song or two. Yeah. But... A lot of people left that night, but that was not the concert I was talking about. The concert that I thought was terrible, terrible, to the point where they had to evacuate the entire building up in Pennsylvania. Oh, DSO. Okay, well, here's the thing. That's What's their name? They're the Grateful Dead cover band? Yeah, Dark Star Orchestra. Dark Star Orchestra. That's, like, you have to understand with the Grateful Dead, that's just like a following you either love the grateful dead or you just can't listen to it so yeah 
uh, the DSO experience, a couple people passed out. They ended up having to stop the show because there was uh, a laced vape pen going around. But that happens at a lot of shows, even at the Grand The Van entire Fleet. building gets evacuated? Everybody has to leave? No, it's not that it didn't get evacuated. The show stopped, yeah. They Same said, thing. Yeah, but it's not like they were like, get the fuck out of here! Well, there was that one, who was it? One of your buddies passed out. Yeah. So he, he was, he's a wrestler, was, yeah, he, was he, he wasn't eating, he was dehydrated. But at the same time, he smoked something. Like, you can't totally keep him out of it. Yeah, but he didn't smoke anything laced, so he was fine. But you... So he fell down, passed out in one of our buddy's arms, and there was another guy, older guy, um, tapped one of us on the shoulder, like, is he passed out? He's like, well, just relax. He's, he's, he's getting there. Like, no, is he passed out? Like, uh, we don't know yet. Like, uh, is he is he passed out yet? And he's saying this in, like, this quiet, monotone voice. Yeah. And at this point, we're like, yeah, he's passing out. He just goes, get the fuck out of my way! Hey, can we get somebody over here? Yeah. Clear the way! Like, all right, stop trying to be the hero, buddy. All he needs is some water, and he'll be fine. And they gave him water, and he was fine. Yeah. He had to hang out in the ambulance, and he had to leave, but he was fine. Yeah, he, nah, he was fine. He was joking about it the next day. And then, was no big deal. and then everybody's just having a decent time again. And that guy's like, "No, go check on your buddy. If you don't, I'll do something." Like he was gonna like hurt them or something. Like, yeah, he was a relax. He was a pro. all right, relax. Um, but yeah, that was a bad concert. I did not enjoy that experience. I think it was like the first time I hung out with uh, you and our sisters' uh, group. Not a good experience. Thanks. Not good. Um, so that was November. NFL had a very mediocre season. I don't think it was very interesting at all until about week week 13 or 14, especially for me since the Cowboys started out 3-5. and five, There was really nothing good to talk about. Patriots were having another routine year. Giants were another high school team. Routine year for them. Jets, three-win season. But there were really no big headlines this year. So I remember last year, it was the whole uh, kneeling for the national anthem thing, which got them over big time. Mm-hmm. But this year, there was really nothing going on. We all said it, too. Nobody was watching, yeah. at least in our house. Mm-hmm. But we do have the Cowboys and Seahawks Saturday night, 8 15 uh, I'm still not excited yet because I've seen this movie before. Like I said, I'm not that intrigued this year because I know what to expect from the boys. Whether they're 4-12 and 12 or 12-4, and four, they always find a way to let us down. If they can beat the Seahawks and move on to presumably the New Orleans Saints, maybe then I'll start to get a little bit excited. But until then, I'll watch the game Saturday night I will not be off the edge of my chair, like, screaming at the TV. I'm expecting the worst, hoping for the best. NBA this year had a lot of big news, a lot of big plays. LeBron James going from the Cavaliers to the Lakers, which was announced 
in I want to say end of June, beginning of July. I remember I was on on air broadcasting for the SoCal Catch in LA, and my buddy next to me, our statistician, big Lakers fan, was tapping me on the shoulder, was showing me the news. He was like freaking out. He's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. He was, he was freaking out. And on the air, like, I really had nothing to talk about that day. It was like a 7-1 to game in the sixth inning. It was just kind of routine, like, oh, here's the 2-2, fouled off, uh, ground ball to short, Boone has it. And I'm just like, ah, oh, F it. LeBron James signs a four-year, $156 million deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. Everybody around me is freaking out, and everybody just starts laughing, like, ah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but they made that mural in uh, Venice Beach, yeah. and they completely tanked it. Just, like, some fans came out of nowhere and trashed it in the middle of the night. Really? Because there's a lot of Lakers fans that just didn't welcome LeBron James at first. They were all, oh, I'm a Kobe Bryant fan. Oh, I'm a LeBron James fan. Yeah. Like, you're a Lakers fan. Mm-hmm. That's what you the, be happy. That's that. what the NBA's missing with their fan base. There's People are fans of players, not mm-hmm. teams. Baseball, we're Yankee fans. Yeah. Football, I'm a Cowboys fan. I don't know about you, but we're fans of the team. Yeah, we NBA. follow the team. We like the players, but we don't follow the players when they go to a different team. Oh, yeah. Like, LeBron James has become so much more than an NBA superstar these days. He basically he has his own fan base that follows him wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm a Cavs fan. No, you're a LeBron fan. Because yeah. as soon as LeBron jumps ship, you're jumping with him. Exactly. And I, I have buddies who are like that. They love LeBron, and now they're Lakers fans because now he's on the Lakers. And they and they admit it. They're LeBron fans. They they stick with LeBron wherever he goes. I mean, you've you've seen it with Katie, Kevin Durant. Oh, I'm a Thunder fan. No, you're not. You like Russell Westbrook? James Harden left. Yeah. At that point, you're like, oh, I'm still a Thunder fan. But as soon as Katie leaves and joins the Warriors, I'm a Warriors fan. Yeah. Because now you're like, Fuck. you can't be a Warriors fan in this generation. You just can't. Unless you're from the area, that's your Unless own. you grew up through all the bad times with that team before they drafted Steph Curry, even when they first drafted him. Yeah. Can't be a Warriors fan. If you were a Warriors fan in 2009, good for you. Good for There's, you. There's uh, some Kyrie Irving fans, I guess you can say. Uh, I think it's LeBron, KD. Harden. Harden, maybe. Because, again, people didn't really jump ship when he left the Thunder, but... I. Again, he wasn't really that great. No, I know, I know some Rockets fans that just love Harden. Well, that's what I'm saying. When he was with the Thunder, people didn't just jump ship. Yeah. Because he got traded to the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyrie Irving, though he was with LeBron in Cleveland, I feel like Celtic fans are really loyal. Oh, yeah. yeah all, all Boston, Boston fans, fans are yeah. All Boston fans are really loyal to their sports teams. Is awesome. um, Philly, I'd say so, because all those Philly fans have gone through those tough times with the Sixers. Yeah, this is like the first time got, in a long yeah, time that they've they have been Butler good. In their... This is the first time since the Allen Iverson days where they are actually a good basketball team. So, a lot going on in NBA. LeBron James out for a couple of weeks with a groin injury. Laker fans are freaking out. Like, okay, he's gonna be out for a couple games. Relax. Yeah. So. Who knows? NBA is probably the Warriors' year yet again, fourth time in five years. So, again, not that much to be excited about. Um, UFC had a lot of big moments this year. The McGregor-Khabib storyline was off the charts. It was a great fight. 
especially in that fight in October, because I remember I was at Fenway for Game 2 of the ALDS, Yankees-Red Sox, Yankees won, and as soon as we left, went right across the street on the Lansdowne Street and watched the end of that fight in one of the bars. Yeah. And that was just chaos. Total chaos. So McGregor gets choked out by Khabib, which, shocking, but not shocking. <laughs> and um, then all hell broke loose. Khabib's team starts beating the crap out of McGregor. McGregor's team starts beating the crap out of everybody else. Full melee. Fans start running up the ramp because it's starting to get into the stands past the octagon. But again, Dana White, as pissed off as he's going to be, like, oh, that can't happen. He's going to promote that and make tons and millions of dollars because of something like that, especially if they have a rematch down the road. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there will be a rematch down the road at some point. I don't think it'll be McGregor's next fight in the UFC, but it'll be a. There'll definitely be a rematch, and I, I I just hope it's a better fight than the first fight. Um, Eagles won the Super Bowl yeah. last year, or at the beginning of the year, beat the Patriots. Nick Foles coming out of nowhere taking his team to the promised land for the first time in Philly's history. Now this year, Carson Wentz craps the bed, hurts himself again. Nick Foles takes over, and now they're in the playoffs again. Yep. So what do you do there if you're the Philadelphia Eagles? You have a guy, aging veteran like Nick Foles, who's been carrying your team for the better part of 2018 as your backup quarterback, or do you go with your future, who obviously is a talented quarterback in Carson Wentz, but he has not put up the numbers you expected thus far. Yeah. So what do you do? I think you stick with Foles for the rest of the season. Well, you have to now because Wentz is hurt. Yeah. But I say next season you start Foles, especially if he ends on a on a high note. And then you use Wentz as your second string until he can prove himself. Great NFL take by Declan O'Hara. Uh, so the end of the year, obviously, um, college football playoffs, Clemson routed Notre Dame. I was really hoping that that game was going to be a lot closer than it was. Notre Dame did not put up a fight at all. They lost by like 30. Same with Alabama. Alabama trumping Oklahoma. Uh, it's Kyler Murray, who's the baseball football stud, quarterback for Oklahoma, draftee of the Oakland A's, looking like he's going to play baseball over football. He's, yeah. he's actually the first athlete. I didn't know this because he's a representative of uh, Scott Boris, client of uh, Scott Boris. And when he signed with the A's last year after getting drafted, there was a clause in his contract that said he can finish out playing football at Oklahoma, which has never been done before because mm. he could have easily gotten hurt yeah. and his career's over, both in football and in baseball. That's interesting. So you have Clemson versus Alabama for the national championship next week. Uh, I'm pulling for Clemson. A few buddies at Clemson. Not a fan of Nick Saban in Alabama. They, they're like the Patriots of college football. Again, any hot takes there, Declan? No. On football, you have no idea what we're talking about here? Not college football, no. So that, that basically sums up the 2018 year in sports and for the Osho podcast. Brought in some great guests, better ones coming up 
in the short few months here. Manny Machado hopefully signs that big seven-year contract with the Yankees this time next week. Uh, Eagles won the Super Bowl. Sox won the World Series. Poor year for WWE. Brought to the Lakers' biggest storyline in the NBA this season. Um, yeah, I really hope 2019 has a lot more to bring than 2018. You can always build off what we did this year. So that was episode 40. That is episode wow. 40 as we enter the new year. Post-January 1st, remember the Osho Podcast is presented by FantasyJocks.com. Get your fantasy league trophies, belts, plaques, you name it. For fantasy football, be a champ today. Hit it, Hootie. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube